Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. How difficult is it to forgive? Corey Ten Boom, a devout follower of Jesus Christ, was arrested in 1944 by the Nazis, along with her family, for hiding Jews in her home during the Holocaust. She was imprisoned and sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp, along with her beloved sister Betsy. Corey and Betsy were subjected to starvation, beatings, and inhuman living conditions. While in prison, 
Corey was inspired by Betsy's example of selfless love and forgiveness amidst extreme cruelty and persecution. When Corey was released from the concentration camp, she took her sister's message of love and forgiveness all over the world. Her own faith was severely tested when she came face to face with one of her former tormentors. A prison guard from Ravensbrück approached her at the conclusion of a church meeting in Germany and begged her for forgiveness. While Corey had every right to hate the evil behavior of the man who had wronged her, what was her responsibility as a Christian toward the person who had sinned against her? I will return to Corey Tenboom in a moment. How difficult is it to forgive? When Hurricane Katrina struck Louisiana in 2005, it was the largest natural disaster in the history of the United States. In the aftermath of the flooding, many individuals looted, raped, and murdered fellow victims of Katrina. Some of these victims were devout Christians. While these believers had every right to be outraged and disgusted by the sinful behavior of those who took advantage of them, what was their responsibility as Christians towards the persons who sinned against them? How difficult is it to forgive? In 2009, Major Nadal Malik Hassan launched a brutal attack at Fort Hood, leaving 12 dead and more than 30 injured. Hassan, a dedicated Muslim, had repeatedly criticized the United States and urged fellow extremists to bomb Times Square. One commentator called the Fort Hood Massacre the single greatest act of terror since 9-11 on American soil. While all of us have every right to be outraged, particularly the families of the fallen soldiers, and all of us have the right to be disgusted by the sinful behavior of Major Hassan, what is our responsibility as Christians towards Hassan himself, as he has so grievously sinned against our country? How difficult is it to forgive? In the face of our world's continued crises, so many local, state, and national leaders seem unable to rise to the task of government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Should we extend forgiveness even to ungodly politicians, even to presidents, speakers of the House, and other leaders who blatantly ignore the will of the people and pursue their own selfish private political agendas? The answer is yes. Why? On a human level, we simply can't forgive. But on a divine level, we must forgive because our God is a forgiving God. Every moment of life presents opportunities for choosing. We can respond to life events and choose on the human level or on the divine level. Human-level responses seem so natural and normal, but God has called us to live on the divine level. He does not want for us a natural and normal life. He desires us to choose and think and act and live on His divine supernatural level through His indwelling Spirit. The Christian response to a person who has wronged Him is to forgive. 
I'm not suggesting for a moment that we don't hold people responsible. We can and we must. I'm not saying that the natural consequences of wrongful action shouldn't be carried through. They can and they must. But once justice has been exacted through the legal process, we as God's people are called to forgive. Why? Because our God is a forgiving God, and we are created in His image, the image of a forgiving God. Let's look together at the parable in Matthew chapter 18. In verse 21, Peter comes to Jesus and asks him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him ten thousand talents. Now, beloved, the debt of the first man in the story was equal to approximately 60 million days' wages, which means that even if he could work a whole year, it would take him 164,000 years to pay off his debt. This was, of course, unthinkable. The man literally had a debt that he could not possibly repay. This man's begging and pleading for more time is simply stage acting, as there is no conceivable way he could have ever repaid that debt. And then this same man turns around and goes after a fellow servant who owes him just three months' worth of wages. He throws him into the prison, where he will be unable to work until he can repay the debt. It's easy to see ourselves in this parable, isn't it? We who have been forgiven so much by the grace and mercy of God find it far too easy to hold others responsible for that which they cannot repay. We are far too likely to hold a grudge, give the silent treatment, or carry an owed debt all the way to the grave. We must remember that our very slate has been wiped clean. We who have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ know what true forgiveness is. The enormous burden of sin has been removed and our guilt has been forgiven. We have been brought out of death into life. Now we must forgive others the same way that Christ has forgiven us. Did you notice that there is a condition of forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, Jesus continues in the next verse, If you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. The phrase, as we forgive our debtors, means that an unforgiving spirit pushes the grace of God away from us. God is always ready to forgive, but we are not ready to be forgiven 
if we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. My forgiveness from God is only possible when I desire forgiveness for my brother, that the wrongdoer may be won back into life again. Wrongdoing places us on the path of darkness and death. Repentance and forgiveness places us on the path of light and fellowship with God. To practice forgiveness is to practice love. If we have the love of God in our hearts, we will forgive our brother. If our hearts are hard, stern, and unforgiving, then God will not forgive us our sins. God has called us to share in his divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4 If we do not bring our hearts to God free from grievance against our neighbor and illuminated with the light of reconciliation with others, we will fall short of his grace. The glorious goal of the Christian life is to acquire Christ, to put on Christ, to daily surrender to the Holy Spirit and live by his indwelling. Unforgiveness keeps us from this goal. One commentator warns, we must learn the blessed lesson of forgiveness for our soul's salvation. For he who does not love his brother abides in death. 1 John 3.14 We need to see that the capacity to forgive is directly related to the capacity to love. And in the act of forgiving others, we find forgiveness. To refuse to forgive our neighbor is to cease having the capacity to love. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? 1 John 4.20 The ability to forgive others requires work on our part, for we must cooperate with the grace given to us by the Holy Spirit. Since we have been forgiven much, we in turn must forgive much. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. There may be someone listening who yet carries the burden of unforgiven sins in your heart. Look deep within. If you are weighed down by the guilt of unforgiveness, hear the good news. 
you can be forgiven of all your sins. It matters not what those sins are. God knows them. He knows our deepest, darkest sins, the ones we haven't told to anyone, and he stands ready to forgive them. This is the miracle of God's grace. What is required is that you come to him and ask forgiveness. How? By recognizing that Jesus' blood has paid the debt you cannot possibly pay. Your transgression and mine is simply too great to ever repay. That is why we need grace and mercy. That is why we must humble ourselves before God to receive his gift of forgiveness. It is also possible that you may come before this gospel passage in Matthew 18 and realize that you harbor unforgiveness against your brother. Now is the time to put things right. Forgive the one who has offended you from your heart. Release that person into God's mercy and grace. It's easy to point fingers. It's easy to blame. It's easy to hold a grudge. But forgiveness is never easy. God has called us as his followers to higher and greater good. He asks something different. He's called us to gracious forgiveness. Why? Because God is a forgiving God. We also need to understand that forgiveness is a very deep thing. I'm sorry is often said lightly and superficially. One needs to face the fact that one has wronged another person and go through real contrition and emptying of the self. We must humble our hearts. Then, pure of heart, we may approach our brother or sister with a real and deep sorrow, not a superficial thing, and really look at the ways that we have hurt our brother. Throughout Christ's ministry, he emphasized the need for us to be willing to forgive. If we want God to forgive us our sins, we must nurture a forgiving heart. If we hold grudges and remember wrongs, we poison our souls and love has no place in us. The scriptures tell us that the drunkard, the fornicator, and the proud all will receive mercy if they repent. But he who does not want to forgive, but offers excuses and justifies himself, that person closes himself to eternal life with God. As we are quick to forgive our neighbors, so God forgives us in his great love and mercy. If we refuse to forgive, God will refuse to forgive us. Our salvation or destruction depend on our willingness to forgive others, for without forgiveness of sins, there is no salvation. We as Christians are to develop a habit of faith, and that habit of faith includes both thinking and doing. We are to think daily on the love and mercy of God, and we are to do daily those deeds that reflect the love and mercy of God. We forgive as we have been forgiven. We renounce evil and expose it at every turn. The ravaging effects of sin outrage us in our own lives and in the world around us, and we pray for God's mercy. 
We grieve over the wrongs others perpetrate upon us. And we hold forth a vision for all people that one day all mankind will be restored to the reign and rule of God. We earnestly pray that all people on earth will come to repentance and practice unlimited love and forgiveness. I told you I would return to Corrie Ten Boom before the end of this sermon. When the Ravensbrook prison guard approached Corrie and begged for forgiveness, he reached out his hand to take Corrie's hand into his. Though it was one of the most emotionally difficult decisions she ever made, Corrie slowly reached out her hand and took the hand of the prison guard. In Jesus' name, I forgive you, she uttered. She later wrote, Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Did Corey have human feelings of hate and vengeance rise up within her? Yes, who wouldn't? But she overcame those feelings and practiced forgiveness as an act of the will, as an act of obedience. The question for each of us today is, will we do the same? Finally, I want us to see the beauty and joy of forgiveness. What a glorious thing it is to be reconciled with a brother or sister. When we are truly reconciled with one another, we can celebrate with a celebration that is joyous and glad, full of laughter and song. There is fantastic joy in the heart of the one who forgives. It's a spontaneous gesture, a gesture of open arms. As the other person begins his apology, already he is embraced, already a new relationship has begun. In the return of the prodigal son in Luke, the father forgave. He ran forward and embraced his son. Whoever comes to us to apologize because they have hurt or offended us, we are called to act as the father of the prodigal son. But even more, to act as Christ constantly acts towards us. Then forgiveness becomes celebration. How difficult is it to forgive? Far too difficult for us to do on our own. It is, in fact, beloved, humanly impossible. That's why we need God's grace and mercy every hour of our lives. That's why we need His Spirit to indwell us and activate our wills to practice the obedience of forgiveness. And that's why we pray the Kyrie eleison from our hearts every Sunday. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have have mercy. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray for all those under the hearing of my voice that your Holy Spirit would teach them the lesson of forgiveness. O oh Lord, work in our hearts. Help those who have not yet come to know you, to know you today to accept you into their lives and believe upon you and receive your forgiveness. Help those who harbor unforgiveness against a brother or sister to be healed this day by the power of your Spirit in them. 
O Lord, teach us the wonder, the beauty, the joy of forgiveness. We ask in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.